Hi, this is Roland Fisher, lead pastor of Second City Church here in Chicago, Illinois, and we hope that you're well. Welcome to our online service. We hope you leave today encouraged, full of faith, and ready to take the kingdom of God wherever you may go. We're so glad you chose to join us today, and once again, welcome. We've been going through a series entitled The God Who Is, really getting to know God and His attributes, His characteristics, and how we're to relate with Him in the midst of those. And today's topic is actually called The God Who Is a Rewarder. And we are excited about this because in us trying to understand the meaning of life and what of all of our time, energy, and effort are being spent for, it's good to know that the God we worship and the God that we actually serve is actually a rewarder of those efforts, is a rewarder of our faith and a rewarder of all that we lay down as a sacrifice before him. So when we talk about uh, the attributes of God, we want to understand and want you to understand that theology is literally the study of God. And as we study God to know who he is, we could cover the depth of his attributes without end. We realize that. However, over the next couple of weeks, we want to look at the scripture to better understand specific attributes of God that will better help us relate with God and one another during this time. And today's attributes, meaning that God is a rewarder, will better root our confidence in God, having a real and genuine confidence in Him. So our focus today is going to be on this statement that we will more fully embrace motivation in life when we understand that God is a rewarder. We're going to break this message down into three parts. We're going to talk first about God the rewarder, Secondly, we're going to talk about the reward and the fight, the fight that we actually have to uh, wage in or um, engage in to actually receive the reward. And then number three, we're going to talk about the God who fights for you. So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word to us today. And we thank you that, God, you are a rewarder of all of our efforts, all of our faith, all of our time, all of our energy spent on you, every sacrifice that we make, it's nothing compared to the sacrifice that you made for us in your son, Jesus Christ. But God, you're still good and reward us for our efforts. And God, we're asking that you would help posture us with great expectation unto your goodness, your grace, and your love today as a rewarder in Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's talk first about God the rewarder. What we know is that God's nature is that he loves to reward the life that we live by faith and obedience to his commands. There was a gentleman named William Lane Craig who actually said this, that the point is this, if God does not exist, then life is objectively meaningless. But man cannot live consistently and happily knowing that life is meaningless. So in order to be happy, he pretends life has meaning. But this, of course, is entirely inconsistent. For without God, man and the universe are without any real significance. But the good news is, is that, thankfully, there is a God who has made himself both historically and presently known. And in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, God talks about the very foundation of our relationship with him, which is faith, which is ultimately a word that means trust. 
to entrust yourself to someone or to trust in them. And in Hebrews 11:6, he says that without faith, it is impossible to please him, meaning God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, number one, and that he rewards those who seek him. And that's what we're focusing on today, right? That not only does he exist, and that's the good news, but that he rewards us when we seek him. And God, in understanding that he's a rewarder, we need to understand that God works and he's called us to work. And work is a four-letter word that people need to actually stop acting like is a cuss word. Especially our generation today when we have a general sense of entitlement, the feeling that we're owed certain things or that we just because we show up in a room that somebody should give us the job, the promotion or the dignity that we feel like we deserve. God is, gives us a reality check when he tells us that in his nature, he's a worker and he expects us to work. And the participation reward mentality can be a toxic one when it does not give people the understanding that they need to work to get better, to develop a skill, and to actually achieve in life. And if you're part of this generation, I think you all know what I'm talking about, whether as a, someone who's grown up in it or somebody who's parented somebody through it, what I mean by the participation award mentality. It means that people get awards just for showing up rather than for actually achieving something. But with God, God says I'm a rewarder because I attach reward to effort. I attach reward to faith. And you need to understand that in the nature of God, if you're going to have a proper expectation of him, of his promises and life in him, that God rewards our efforts by faith. This is why he said in Proverbs 14, verse 23, that in all toil, another four letter word, you could substitute that word toil for work, but he says, in all toil, there is a profit, but mere talk lends only to poverty. And that is the plight of our generation, right? The plight of our generation is that everybody feels like they need to espouse their opinions and everybody feels like their opinions matter just as much as anybody else's. Why? Because you have a device in your hand where at any moment, at any time, you can talk about what you think or why people should hear what you have to think about the latest food or trend that you were just exposed to. But toil or work is the actual thing that leads to profit in life, not just talking about things. And what we need to understand about God the rewarder from the get-go is that God does not reward without our effort. Now that doesn't mean that he doesn't save without our work because we know that we're saved by grace through faith through what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. But even in that, as we'll discuss later, came with him working on our behalf. 
And we have to choose to receive that which he himself has worked for. God is a rewarder of effort. But not only is God a rewarder of effort, but there is a fight to actually come into the reward that God has for us. And if any of you have ever been an athlete before, you know that no matter how talented, no matter how skilled you are or what type of uh, uh, abilities you were born with, you are going to eventually tap out if you do not put in the work that you need to to go to the next level. And what you need to do to go from the NCAAs to the NBA or the NCAAs to the NFL or any type of progress in life to go in the workplace from a bottom level uh, 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 intern to a to maybe a, a, an employee to a manager to the C-suite, it takes effort, development, skill, and work. And it's a fight to actually get to the place that you are. And you know what? God is the one who designed that as a process. And God understands that there is a fight of faith to live in obedience to his commands. But the good news is that not only is God a rewarder, but God himself, God the rewarder, is also a fighter. He's the one who, maybe like Muhammad Ali says, you know, not, Muhammad Ali might have said, like, I'm a, I'm a lover, not a fighter. But it wasn't actually God who said that. God said, I'm both a lover and a fighter. I'm a lover and a fighter. And God is known throughout the scripture as the Lord of hosts, meaning that he is the one who commands armies to do his will. And God himself, when he was describing himself through Moses and after the Exodus, when they came out of their bondage, their 400 plus years of slavery in Egypt, into the promised land, Moses was singing a song of deliverance to God. And in that song of deliverance, he was describing the attributes of God, the rewarder. But he said, God is not just a rewarder, but God is in fact a warrior, one who fights to actually get into the place that he wants to be and and teaches his people to do the same thing. Meaning that even as God was bringing the Israelites out of their slavery and on the onto the precipice, uh, precipice uh, into the precipice of the promised land, he actually said that you're going to, by faith, fight into the promised land. But you're going to do it by understanding that for my reward, you're going to follow my nature, which is a fighter, which is a warrior. And in Exodus 15, verse 1 through 3, you hear Moses say that it says this, Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea, talking about when they were going through the Red Sea miraculously. The Lord is my strength and my song. And he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. And even last week where we talked about the fact that God is love and truth, it does not nullify the fact that he is a fighter, that he is a warrior, is what other translations say. And understanding what God rewards is important in life. He has both temporal 
and eternal rewards. And we do not want to be confused. God will not reward that which does not honor him or stands opposed to him, though the world systems may for a moment. And what that means is that you cannot confuse God, um, like what you see as blessings in your life or characterized as blessings in your life with God's pleasure, because it might not have actually been God who actually f helped you fight into it if you did it the wrong way or that which you laid hold of, meaning like another man's wife, if you were um, in an adulterous relationship, that was not necessarily from the Lord. You didn't fight to get that by the Lord's hand. Another example is, is when we think about the material wealth and how people are so driven by material greed today. Now you may have comfort and material comfort as your sole pursuit in life right now. You may say to yourself, well, if God's a rewarder, I'm, I'm going to work hard and earn a good living, save, and I want to enjoy a leisurely life. And in times like the pandemic, we're even attempted to abandon the disciplines of a life of faith to do things like hoard. I know when the pandemic first went down, many people were stocking up on food and toilet paper and all types of things that they think would take them for who knew how long it was going to be. And it's the pursuit and preservation of the American dream that many people are going after. And there doesn't seem to be anything wrong with this mentality, but is there? There's nothing wrong. We want to make this clear. There's nothing wrong with having great wealth. And it is seen through scripture as a blessing that can, in fact, come from God. Yet this posture bereft of a submission to God and his ways can be idolatrous and lead to a life of greed. According to Jesus, you may have had worldly pleasures, <clears throat> but be lacking eternal reward. And if you are stingy, this will be your lot, meaning that God wants to fight for you and fight for um, the blessings that want to uh, he wants to reward you with, but he will not fight for you. He will not reward you, especially with eternal reward, if you don't do things his way. This is why David Platt in his book, Radical, Taking Back Your Faith from the American Dream, actually said this, so we are settling for a Christianity that revolves around catering to ourselves when the central message of Christianity is actually about abandoning ourselves. That's why God, talking about things like wealth and money in Proverbs 3, 9 through 10, said, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of not some, but all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Seeing that God's rewarding those who honor him with their first and their best. He goes on to say in Proverbs 19, 17, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord. And he, meaning God, will repay him, meaning the person who was generous to the poor, for his deed. But it's when we do things God's way. 
It's when we do things God's way that God himself rewards us. The life that God rewards is one of generosity, both temporary and eternal. The reward that he has for us is both a temporary one and an eternal one. But there was another gentleman, a monk named Thomas Akempis, in his classic, The Imitation of Christ, who said, <clears throat> times like the pandemic, we've many of us have hit bumps in the road. And he said, it is good for us to have trials and troubles at times, for they often remind us that we are on probation and ought not to hope in any worldly thing. That blessing can become a temptation and a temptation, a curse, when they are not submitted to God. As Biggie Smalls used to say in his old rap, rap tune, he said, the more money I make, the more trouble I see. And often that trouble begins in the heart. But we must fight for our blessings to be submitted to God, lest they actually become a vice. This was the example of money, but it goes to anything that you might consider a blessing in life. What about a relationship, a romantic relationship that you have? You might have had a desire for companionship and you say, you know what? I've been living for God and purity and chastity and all types of holiness for many years. But you know what? I'm tired now. And now I see this, this uh, person looking at me, this, this person showing me some attention. And no, they may not be serving the Lord, but you know what? I, it's my time. It's my time and I'm going to forsake the things that I've been told by God to give myself to, to get a hold of that which I consider a blessing. And it's a fight to continue to do things God's way to get God's reward rather than a substitutionary reward that will ultimately be a vice to you, separate you from God and take you out. Don't do it. Or it actually may be children. You might have longed for children for years upon years, and then all, all of a sudden, when God blesses you with a child, they become your entire world, your entire world, at, to the forsaking of all others, meaning your spouse, meaning your church, meaning your kingdom, that God's saying you're, you're, you're actually missing even your devotion and relating with God himself. It's out of order if that if it comes to that. And you've got to fight to make sure that the blessing doesn't actually become an idol. But you do it by fighting the way that God says to fight. And we must fight for our blessings to be submitted to God. Yet even temptations like these, meaning the temptation for a blessing to become more like an idol, they are what Christ leaves in our lives to teach us to fight, to remain connected to his eternal kingdom and to remind us how desperate we are to stay near the heart of God. Because when we stay near the heart of God, we remember that not only is he re a rewarder, but he's a fighter, a fighter bringing us into the promised land. Not only the enemy, meaning the devil, trying to keep us out of the life of promise that God has for us, but fighting to keep our hearts in the right place when we're in the land. Making sure that we're still seeking 
first the kingdom of God and his righteousness so that he might add everything else to us after we seek him. And in Judges chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, God expressed to us the reason for him leaving such things in the land. Not only things that are difficult or hard, but sometimes the things that are good that need to be put in their proper place. He says in verse 1 that now these are the nations that the Lord had left when the Israelites were going into the promised land to test Israel by them. That is in all Israel who had not experienced the wars in Canaan. It was only in order that the generations of the people of Israel might know war, to teach war to those who had not known it before. Meaning that God himself was saying, I'm a warrior, I'm a fighter, I want to reward you, but I'm going to reward you by teaching you to fight the way that I fight and to fight for the things that I fight for. What's important to me, I want it to be important to you. If something needs to be secondary to me, I want you to learn to fight for it to be secondary. If I'm telling you to sacrifice something to me, I want you to learn to fight to sacrifice it by faith so that I might actually give you what's good for you. And this is what God does. He, he gives us circumstances in life, whether it be good or challenging, so that we learn to fight by faith in him, knowing that as we do, he will reward us living the life of faith. And there was someone who actually said this, that a man without a righteous fight will be degenerate. And as a man, I, I know that to be true. It's like I wake up in the morning and I'm I'm looking for something to tackle. I'm looking for a project. I'm looking for some great venture in the Lord. I'm looking for some relationship to develop. I'm looking to lead somebody to the Lord, right? But without a righteous fight, we often degenerate. And that's when people not only degenerate in terms of losing focus and purpose in life, but they end up in sin. And we've seen that throughout Scripture and in people's lives many times before. But the good news is that not only is God a rewarder, and not only is he a God <clears throat> who's a warrior, a warrior and links and makes a connection to, for us between work, the fight of faith and reward, but at the end of the day, he's the God who fights for you. God the rewarder is the one who fights for you so that you might actually come into that reward. And the good news is that the Lord of hosts fights on behalf of those he loves that they may obtain his reward. You need to know this about God because it will give you great confidence in approaching God and relating to him and praying and actually saying, God, I'm coming to you as my heavenly father through Jesus Christ, knowing that you are a fighter, but you want to help me fight into the promises that you have for me and fight into the freedom that you have for me, freedom from sin, freedom from fear, freedom from addiction, freedom from all the things that the enemy will try to bind me with. And the good news is that when we choose him, we're making progress every time that we do. When we choose him, we're making progress every time that we do. It says, C.S. Lewis said that your life is a continuum 
where wholeness is on one end and destruction is on the other. Each decision you make is moving you one direction towards wholeness and peace with God or away from him. Meaning every decision that we make, every moment that we choose to say, God, I'm going to obey your command or not. God, I'm going to choose to live by faith in this command that you give me or not. I'm going to take the easier route. And matter of fact, I'm going to take the easier route that other people won't even uh, challenge me on because they're doing the same things themselves. Those are moments that we're either moving closer to God or further away from him. And God does not just give you commands to be obeyed. The good news is that he doesn't just give you territory to take, but he himself fights to get you there. And God, what that means is that God is the ultimate player coach. He's actually in the game with you to help you to win. That's why in 1 John 3, 8, uh, John the Apostle was talking and he says, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil for the devil has been sinning, missing the mark, disobeying God's commands from the beginning. And the reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil, meaning that he himself came down, invaded human history, walked amongst us, got in the game to actually fight for us so that we might win the battle. That's the good news of the God that we serve. He's a rewarder, but he's the one who fights so that we can come into the reward. And so what that means is that we need to do three things. Number one, we need to learn what God is fighting for. What is God fighting for? Someone said previously that I need to figure out what God's doing in my generation and give myself to it. And the clearest way that we know this is by reading and studying God's word. God's unchanging, the unchanging nature of his purpose to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that Jesus has commanded that's found in his word. And the first thing that we need to do if we're going to embrace God fighting for us is to learn what God himself is fighting for. Number two, we need to learn how to go to God in the midst of the fight if we want to win the fight and thus receive our reward. You do this through prayer, both individual and corporate. And I can't tell you that when I've been believing for things like healing in my family, when I've been believing for things like breakthrough over the years in my finances, when I've been believing God, you know, for uh, really ministry advance and for planting churches and for seeing people one to the Lord, whether it be family or friends or disciples made, there was a private prayer life, but you better believe I linked arms with my brothers and sisters in Christ and cried out to him so that God could fight on our behalf as we stood on his promises. We need to learn how to go to God in the midst of the fight. Why? Because he wants to fight on our behalf. And well, number three, we must learn to fight God's battles as a part of a team. We must learn to fight God's battles as a part of the team. This is why active participation in church life even in the midst of a pandemic 
is vital. This is true even when we're believing for breakthrough and when we're trying to overcome sin. You don't need to isolate yourself when you're believing for breakthrough. You don't need to isolate yourself when you're trying to overcome sin. You need to learn to fight God's battles as a part of a team. We see this very clearly when in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 15 through 17, it gives us a picture of God fighting on behalf of his people to bring them into the land, but how and the manner in which he chooses to do it. It says in verse 15, and he said, this was King Jehoshaphat. Listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. I'm sorry, this was the man talking to King Jehoshaphat. He says, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. That you will find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them and the Lord will be with you. But what we need to see and what we need to notice about this great moment, this great victory that Israel was able to see that <clears throat> Jerusalem and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat was able to see when there was a battle against them is that the victory that God fought was on behalf of his people and not just an individual. That you will begin to win your individual battles as you begin to fight them as a part of God's collective. You need to link your fight to the corporate fight. What that means is you need to always remember when you take care of God's business in his house, he will then take care of yours. He wants to reward you when you put his business in his house first. Psalm 18 is a beautiful picture of how God fights on our behalf even when we feel weak. And in Psalm 144, verses 1 and 2, King David said, Blessed be the Lord my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. He is my steadfast love and my fortress, my stronghold and my deliverer, my shield and he in whom I take refuge, who subdues peoples under me. But God says, I'm going to reward you as you learn to fight, but also let me fight for you. And so what battles am I fighting that the Lord, I need to give to the Lord to fight and win on my behalf. When we come into the gospel, we rest from our works before God. That's the good news. You rest in your own works before God and come into being the beneficiaries of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. We were all opposed to God because of our wicked sin and ways and living, and God had to judge them. But Jesus came and lived the life that we should have lived, and on the cross died the death that we should have died. And because he was innocent, three days later, rose from the dead so that we could have not only forgiveness of sins, but new life and an inheritance. Jesus' own inheritance from the Father coming to his people because of what Jesus did for us, not what we do for him. 
That's God fighting for us. He wants to reward us. He wants to give us the kingdom. He wants to teach us how to fight. But ultimately, he's the one who fights to see that we get our reward as we learn to trust him. So someone will still have to work whenever we see that God brings us into his promises and his promised land. But the good news is, is that even though someone had to work and someone still had to fight, Jesus was the one who won the ultimate battle at the cross for humanity. Jesus was the one who won it for us. He was the perfect one. He was the strong one. And that's why the government's on his shoulders that we just follow in his train. And God is literally not only the author of salvation, but he's the one who rewards us both now and eternally by how we apply these benefits by faith in our work today. So let our work be God's work. And may we receive his kingdom reward when we embrace God as a rewarder, understand the nature of the fight to come into that reward, and then finally, trust in God to actually receive that reward. That's the life of faith that he's called you to, but the confidence he wants in us to have in him as God, the rewarder, in Jesus' name. So if you hear this today and you say, you know what, I've tried on my own, and I've tried to live in such a way where I fight my own battles, I fight my own fights, but I've lost over and over again in my relationships, in my family, in my career. It just seems that over and over again, no matter how hard I try, I don't get to the place, even with measures of success, I don't get to the place where I ultimately want to be. And more than that, I know that I've been the problem. I've been, because of my own sin and my rebellion against God and not putting God first in my life, I've been the one who's been perpetuating this life of death and frustration before God and I've been opposed to him and an opponent of his and I say I'm done with that and I want to submit and come to him today if that's you would you pray this prayer with me God Almighty I admit to you today that I've been a rebel and I know that I have not only tried to be self-sufficient but God I've tried to do it my own way and I've therefore broken your commands. I've not followed your ways. And I, because of my lack of holiness and obedience to you, deserve death and hell. But God, I'm sorry for all of these things. And I don't want death and hell. But I, I thank you today that you sent Jesus to fight my fights. To live the life that I should have lived. And on the cross died the death of I should have died. And God, because he was innocent, three days later you raised him from the dead so I could have forgiveness of sins and new life in you. God, would you forgive me today for my self-sufficiency? Would you forgive me today for trying to build a life of reward without you? An idolatrous life full of all types of greed and sin without you. And make me a new creation today. I submit to you today and say you're my Lord. And I'm asking you to teach me how to follow you and love you by faith into the reward, the eternal reward, the eternal life that you actually have for me today in Jesus' name. Amen. Now the good news is, is that if you pray that prayer for the first time sincerely, God says you're a new creation. And he wants to bring you into that life as a God of all rewards in faith 
as you walk with him. So would you learn to turn away from sin and actually learn to take the next steps in God by going with me today to our website, secondcitychurch.com slash new life. There you can find not only resources, but also uh, next steps of how to walk out this new life with God. You can find also links to community groups where you can get involved and learn how to walk this with the team, with other people who are also pursuing God together. And if that wasn't you today, but you say, God, just help me trust you as my rewarder. Help me to live a life of faith and obedience to you in all your ways. Would you pray this last prayer with me? Almighty God, I thank you that you are a rewarder. And that not only do you reward, but you teach me to fight, but more than that, you fight for me. And I'm asking that you would increase my confidence in your heart towards me as I walk in all your promises and purposes today for your kingdom glory in Jesus' name. Amen. And even as we finish today, we encourage you once again to get involved in community groups this week where you can link arms with other people and learn to live the life of faith that God has for you and receive his reward. So we, we love you. We're so glad that you joined us today. Please bring a friend next week and we'll see you then. God bless you.